Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Juhu Roadshow podcast, On Ramp. On Ramp is a supplementary uh, podcast uh, spinoff of our primary podcast, which is the Juhu Roadshow, which is exclusively run through Patreon, our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash Juhu. So the Juhu Roadshow is kind of our travels around... um, well, the world really talking to just interesting people, celebrities and athletes and musicians and artists and just about fun stuff. Um, but uh, my social media gurus who tell me what to do and when to do it because they're smarter at that stuff than I am, um, they said we need to do a supplemental podcast that uh, we can place on uh, other podcast platforms that uh, get people to um, know and understand who you are. Uh, you know, I'm for those of you that don't know, I'm a uh, documentary filmmaker. Uh, well, not just documentaries. I've directed a feature as well, but I've done five films and a lot of lot of work that has has made some impact on people's lives. And the people in my circle and that you know are are near me, um, or that have seen the films, know who I am. But there's a lot of people that haven't. And so uh, uh, Barbie at J J J B B M, um, our social media company suggest that we, that we try this. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And so what the on-ramp is, is um, it's basically a lot of backstory about who I am and, and where I've come from and what I've experienced and stories that I've lived through. And um, not only in regards to the films that I've made, but uh, just me in general. And uh, I've led a pretty interesting lifestyle. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I'm excited to relive some of those things, and I'm excited for you to be along on the ride. Um, it's uh, it, it's really an effort for you guys to get to know. It's it's an effort on my part to introduce myself to you guys and and uh, to all of you out there, and and uh, and hope that you uh, are interested enough in who I am that you want to come over and and listen to the podcast on Patreon. Um, which is, I'm super proud of that podcast, and I'm very, very excited about the guests that we continue to add to uh, the lineup. I mean, we've had some amazing artists. We've had, uh, you know, like Tim Cox and Matt Oliphant. Um, we've got, uh, and Matt, of course, is the brother of, of Tim Oliphant, the actor. Um, we've got Jim Brewer, the comedian. We've got... Um, uh, Tony Morrow, who's a fantastic uh, movie artist, you've I no doubt have seen his work. You know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Chronicles of Narnia, The Hulk, Zodiac. I mean, just these amazing pieces of art that he's done that people see on a daily basis with movies. Um, here, Kitty Studios, who um, they've done sound for tons of TV shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and The Brave and lots of movies. They've worked on a number of movies with me. Um, uh, who else have we got? We've got a NASCAR crew chief. We've got um, some people that work in music in film and television, which is super cool. And then, of course, just goofy stuff that uh, I do with friends and and and, uh, and buddies of mine on the show, um, which <laughs> we have a lot of fun doing that. But anyway, so the on-ramp is, is for you to get to know me, Justin Hunt, as, as a person and as an artist and as... Um, a podcast host and as a dad and there's all kinds of things and so uh, I'm excited to get this going uh, I know the, the the you know first five minutes probably aren't that exciting because I'm kind of explaining to you what this is all about but um, it's going to be they're going to be 30 minute shows um, 
And eventually we're going to do these probably once a week. And, and there are so many stories um, that I have to share with you guys. And, and, and uh, <laughs> every time I say you guys, I think of the office where they keep telling Andy to stop saying you guys. So I'm going to try to stop saying you guys. Okay, you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I worked for NBC News for 10 years and so many interesting stories, good and bad, that, that came from that. And, um, geez, 12 or 13 years now of making films and, and going to film festivals and traveling around the world with these things. And I mean, lots of stories there. And growing up, um, very, very interesting lifestyle. Um, the way that the, the, the environment that I grew up in was very unique. Um, so I was born in, in 1976. My parents were on what was called the fair circuit or the Colorado racing circuit. Um, they were in horse racing, uh, which was uh, just a fascinating, fascinating place to grow up. Um, and, uh, you know, I cover a lot of this uh, in a documentary I did called The Speed of Orange, um, which is a really neat film if you ever get a chance to watch it because it's not only not only do you get introduced to the um, the kind of unique landscape of horse racing and kind of get some insight on how all that is but there's a great there's a great like human story in there um, so if you get a chance to to watch the speed of orange I, I highly suggest it not just because it's a you know movie that I did or that it's about my family it's just because it's a fascinating story and horse racing was such a when you're a kid it's such a beautiful little mystical world to live in because you've got these you know you've got these huge animals walking around all the time and and uh you know these fascinating characters which you know we'll talk about a, a lot of those will pop up in these stories um and then you know when you when you go to the races themselves you've got you know as a kid there's all these wonderful colors and stuff with the jock silks and these you know little bitty men on these massive animals going you know 50 miles an hour and the sound of the thunder as those horses run by and the you know the the guys hollering and the popping of the whips and, and you know it's it's just it's a magical world to a kid and uh and my parents were you know quite successful and so it was just it was a cool place to grow up and and you know i got treated i got treated very well because i was you know i was the youngest of the family and uh, you know, I had this blonde hair and blue eyes, this little Dutch boy, you know, haircut. I looked like Joey Lawrence from Saved on Saved. No, what was that show? Nell. Anybody remember that show, Nell, from this? I think of the '70s, maybe really early '80s. But um, you know, I had this little Dutch boy haircut, and and you know, my dad, my dad is a Hall of Fame jockey. My mom's in the Hall of Fame as a trainer. They were this unbelievable couple that that. Uh, you know, people came to see because not only were they this attractive couple, I think, I think in 1977, um, they asked my dad to be the Marlboro Man, and then my mom was Miss Rodeo, New Mexico when she was a kid. Uh, and so there was this really handsome couple that people came to watch, and then they won all the time. And so they were these fan favorites. Uh, but what makes it really interesting, which you'll see if you watch the film, uh, is that there was a kind of an underbelly to that 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 wasn't so hot. Uh, I've got three siblings um, from my mom and dad. I've got uh, two two half siblings, I should say. My my oldest sibling Kelly uh, has a different dad, and my brother Devlin 
um, has a different dad. And then I have a one full sibling um, who we have the same parents, uh, Lonnie. Anyways, it was just there was a very unique dynamic there. And so it, ma- it made for an interesting, an interesting childhood. Of course, I didn't realize those things when I was a kid. But um, anyways, uh, so what the fair circuit was, was that uh, it was primarily in Colorado. Um, you know, my dad would fly to other places to ride from time to time, but it was primarily in Colorado. And what would happen is you would just, you would just go from one little town to another and you would spend, you know, two or three weeks there and then you would pack up and you would go to the next town. And every town had a meet in a particular part of the year that, um, that was, you know, they would do it every year. Um, it was very nomadic uh, and it was an interest. I mean, you don't know any different when you're a kid, but it was a very interesting way to grow up because you'd go someplace for like three weeks and then you'd back up and you'd go again. Now, luckily for me, I was so young, I didn't have to do a lot of the labor and stuff that my siblings did. Um, you know, the, you know, packing up the horses, packing up the trailer house and yes, grew up in a trailer for quite some time. So insert your redneck jokes there. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, but, uh, you know, I always, as I got as I got older, wow, I'm kind of thinking of this, you know, for the first time right now. You know, because I've got uh, I've got a, a 16 year old son, 17 in a couple of weeks, uh, and a 14 year old daughter, and I just try to imagine for them having to to pick up and leave every three weeks. Um, and it's like my sister Kelly says in the film. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was bittersweet because you always had to say goodbye to somebody, but you always had someone to look forward to that you're going to see. So, you know, <clears throat> we would go to these towns, um, and I'm talking, you know, some you know some were bigger towns. There was Denver, and there was Pueblo, and there was um, Colorado Springs. Well, just outside of Colorado Springs, um, f- well, outside of Fountain, uh, there was a place called Pikes Peak Meadows, kind of in the middle of nowhere, to be honest with you. But uh, there were the bigger towns, but then then there were all these little towns too, like Holly and Akron and Craig and Monta Vista um, and Durango uh, that we would go to. And so you just travel town to town to town to town to town. And it was, it was I always make the joke that it was like Carney's, but you know, just one step above. We didn't have small hands. We didn't smell like cabbage. Uh, but uh, uh, we would just travel around, man, and and and. Um, to me, it was just, it was always so magical. And, uh, you know, I probably um, over-romanticize it in the speed of orange, but that's how, that's how I remember it. That's how I remember it was, it was just magical. And like, I, you know, I, I uh, look at wind pictures from the 70s and, or if I hear particular songs that, you know, it reminds me of, of certain things um, from when I was a kid. And uh, it was really cool because one place that I that I always remembered very well was um, the Colorado State Fair in Pueblo, and because uh, they had these rock barns, the barns were made of rock, and and it was like in this big square. All the barns were in a square facing inward, and then there was like you know this road that kind of went around the inside of that. It was almost like some Game of Thrones shit. It was like <laughs> it was like you know the walled city. And, uh, and, uh, the, you know, all these horses and traveling around and I can still remember like the clump on the concrete of these horses, um, going to the track and everything. And what was really cool, um, this was like, this was in the seventies. Okay. 
um, like late 70s, uh, early 80s. My dad stopped writing in 81, and I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, but uh, about two years ago, I took my kids to the Colorado State Fair. And, of course, horse racing hasn't happened there for, um, geez, I don't know, probably 20 years. Um, but we went to the Colorado State Fair, and there's still a lot of rodeo stuff that happens and, like, um, um, you know, horse shows and, and, and livestock stuff, FFA stuff, 4-H stuff. And so I took my kids two years ago, um, and we went to the Colorado State Fair, and we're walking along the barns. And the thing about – one thing I have to interject about my, my folks is that they were big on, on uh, showmanship. They loved showmanship and, and their colors, you know, for their barn, everybody kind of has their colors and their, you know, their brand, so to speak. Our colors were um, burgundy and white. Well, burgundy and white now, back in those days, it was more of a purple and white. Uh, and so, you know, like all the bridles were purple and white. All of the um, tack was purple and white. All of the, you know, the wraps the for their legs for the horse's legs were purple and white um you know my my mom would wear purple and white a lot to represent uh GHL was the name of our stables Glenn and Linda Hunt GHL very cool um and then of course you know everything we had was purple and white the the tack chests the medicine cabinets everything that we had um and so and then you know when you go to these places year after year especially if you were successful like mom and dad then you kind of got the same barn in the same area. And then you, because you knew you were going to get the same area the next year, you could kind of dress it up. So two years ago, I take my kids to the Colorado State Fair and sure as hell, there's still the purple H painted on the concrete in front of our tack room, which I just thought was super cool. I mean, that's, oh my gosh, 35 years after the fact. It's just, it was really neat to, to still see that kind of floating around, but um, Colorado State Fair was one of my favorites. Um, and I just, I just loved it. And, you know, when you're a kid and you are, you know, five, four, five, six years old and your dad's a jockey and, and, you know, he's winning all the time and, um, you're in the jocks room around other jockeys and things like that. You want to be a jockey. I wanted to be a jockey. My brother Lonnie wanted to be a jockey. And I'm going to tell you right now, there wasn't anything, anything that I wouldn't, if I could, if I could get my little tiny legs on either side of it, I would not only get on it, I would ride the shit out of it, and I would whip the shit out of it. Um, but some of my favorites were uh, bales of hay. Um, you know, you turn it on its side and sit on it and pretend you're a jockey and just go to town. Um, suitcases, suitcases were a big one. Um, uh, the backs of couches. <laughs> what was really neat too is I would take like I would get belts. Um, like my mom's belts or my dad's belts and I would connect the belts. I would connect the belt. Sorry. I would put the belt, the belt buckle in a loop and then drape it over the couch. And when you're tiny and your legs are only, you know, a foot and a half long, um, it makes perfect stirrups. So you would sit on the, sit on the couch with this, this, this draped, you know, this belt draped over the back and then boom, boom, put your feet in. You got stirrups. Now you really, now you really feel like a jockey. Now you're going. Um, and so I would ride just about anything. And, uh, and it was cool too, cause 
you know, people love that kind of stuff. They'd love seeing that kind of stuff. Oh, I even had one of those rocking horses. Anybody remember those? It was like a horse that looked like it was running. And then it had like this metal frame and then the four springs on the corners. And you could get on that thing and just bounce. Well, I had one of those. But of course, you know, we painted the bridle purple and white. Um, I, my uh, dad gave me an old jock saddle of his. And if you've never seen a jock saddle, a jockey saddle, like a jockey saddle, you would freak out, man. It's, uh, it's literally about, um, maybe 18 inches long, maybe shorter than that, 15 inches long. And I mean, you can, you can palm this thing. It's so tiny. And that's what those guys ride on, man. And, and it's, it's amazing how small they are. But, uh, dad gave me an old jock saddle and then believe it or not. Now imagine I was six, I think. Um, my parents got, um, got a set of silks and silks are what we call, you know, the stuff that jockeys wear the, the white, like really light pants. Um, they're like a, almost like a raincoat kind of thing, but super, super light. Um, and then they got me a GHL silks are okay. So your jock pants are the white things. And then silks are what we call the colorful, like, uh, blouses or jerseys or shirts that you see jockeys wear. Those are called silks. Um, they got me some GHL silks to fit me, which was really cool. But the coolest part was that um, there was actually a jockey um, that was around. He wasn't around very long, but he uh, he was around when I was a kid, and he was a uh, I w- well, he was a dwarf. He was a, a little person. I'm not sure what the preferred nomenclature is. But uh, he was a uh, he was a, a little itty bitty guy, and he actually had jock boots that fit me. And so he gave my my dad a pair of his old jock boots. So I had the whole get up, man. Jock boots, jock pants, silks, helmet, everything. I even had a little whip that somebody made. So you know, watch out. You know, guard your couches, guard your suitcases, because I will ride the shit out of them. That's that that was what my existence was like as a, as a a little kid. And it was just super cool. It was super cool. And then, so you would travel around, um, you would travel around for, I would say probably March through October, March through October was the racing season. And then in October through February, we would go to our, our home, our, our, our stable home, the, the place that didn't have wheels. Uh, which was in a little town called Boone, Colorado, which Boone is just uh, is on Highway 50 East, east of Pueblo, about 30 miles. Uh, and that's where we had like a ranch. And that's where we would spend our winter. And uh, that's where my dad would get fat during the winter. And when I say fat, I'm talking about 150. Uh, and then when he was racing, believe it or not, he weighed one uh, between 115 and 117. That's what he had to weigh to be a jockey. So, um, that's a rough lifestyle, but, uh, we would go home to Boone in the wintertime and that's where we would spend, uh, our Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff. And I, I have some great memories of those things. Boone is, was a, was a fascinating place as well because it, I don't even know if the town, I guess it still exists, but, um, I'll give you some perspective. When I went to school in Boone, um, there was, there was one school and there were three classrooms, Okay. Uh, one classroom had first through fourth grade. One classroom had fifth through eighth grade. And one classroom had ninth through twelfth grade. 
And I remember uh, when I was in, I think, second grade, I went to school there, and um, I think they graduated two people at Boone High School. Yeah. So that was that was Boone. Um, and uh, it was just, it was a neat little place. You'll see, like I said, there's a lot more detail um, if you watch the documentary, The Speed of Orange, which is about my family. But uh, Boone was just, that's where we called home. And uh, across the field, this is another interesting little tidbit. Across the field was um, a gentleman named Burton Wright and his wife, Glenda, uh, which I always thought was kind of cool when I was a kid because Glenda, my dad's name is Glenn and my mom's name is Linda. And Glenda is like, you know, when you're a kid, you think shit like that's cool. Um, but Burton and Glenda lived across the field and my dad rode tons of horses for Burton. My mom trained horses for Burton. And so it was like this neat little um, partnership separated by a field. And the cool thing about Burton is he, well, it's not cool that he passed away because he was such a cool cowboy. But he, he passed away about two years ago now, I guess. Yeah, just about two years ago. Anyways, he was 81 years old when he passed away. And he passed away in that house that he lived in across the field from us in Boone, and he was born in that house. So he lived in that house from the day he was born until the day he passed away, 81 years later. That, to me, is, I just think that's super cool. Um, so, yeah, so Boone was, was uh, it was a unique place to, to grow up. Obviously, you're a bit isolated, um, but uh, when you're a kid, you just don't know it because we, you know, we had a ranch and we ran around and, and uh, I just having fun. I didn't have any perspective on big or little or anything like that. Um, but, um, so we would go there in the winter time and, uh, it was, um, 1981. Um, so to give you, to give you an idea, uh, so when you go someplace like a racing meet, like, you know, the Colorado State Fair, for example, or uh, Colorado, or Denver, I'm sorry, or Craig, or any of those places, Grand Junction, that was another one, which is where I was born, um, go Mavericks, uh, played football there, we'll talk about that later too. Um, when you go someplace, let's say you go to Grand Junction for, you know, I think the race meet there was like three weeks or a month or something like that. Um, the jockey that wins the most races during that four-week period is the leading jockey. That's what it's called. You have a leading jockey and a leading trainer. Sometimes you have a leading owner, but leading jockey and leading trainer were the two big ones. Well, like my dad was the leading jockey at Grand Junction from 1964 to 1981, straight. Uh, Colorado State Fair, same thing, like 15 or 16 years in a row. Um, you know, Durango, 14 years in a row. And, you know, just things, I mean, it was the the only places that he didn't have like 14 or 15 years in a row was when he would break something and couldn't ride. But even then the dude would, you know, he'd break an arm or something and supposed to take six months off and like he'd take a month off and then he would cut the cast off and he's and he's riding again. That's why that's why none of his body parts like his arms and legs don't, you know, straighten out or work right. But I'm surprised the dude can still get out of bed in the morning. But he's 73 years old. He still breaks his own colts in the winter, which is frightening to me. But um, that's just the way he is. You can't you can't keep him from doing it. Um, and so, like he, you know, he just had this unbelievable stretch of of leading jockey titles in all these different places. Um, and it's interesting because, like in 1981, is when 
people started recognizing that and kind of celebrating that and, you know, giving him trophies and plaques and shit saying, oh, hey, you know, leading jockey for this long and here's a plaque. We appreciate you and that kind of thing. It was really kind of, it was cool. But it was also um, uh, prophetic, I guess you could say, because in the winter of 81, so in the winter when we would go to Boone, a um, couple things would happen. Um, you'd take the horses that you raced all year that were, um, you know, your 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 go-to horses, and you would give them some time off. I mean, you'd still kind of, they're athletes. You have to keep them in shape. So Burton had a track down around his place, and so um, my dad and, you know, whoever was working for him, they would take horses across the field down onto Burton's track, gallop them, then bring them back. But also at the same time, um, you would have horses that were uh, young, that were like yearlings, and they weren't broke. And when I say broke, I mean they weren't trained. They weren't, they weren't you know, they were still kind of wild. Um, actually, when you say it, broke sounds kind of bad, like you've broken them, but really that's not the case. It's just you've, you've trained them to where they're manageable and you can do things with them and you can ride them and race them and stuff like that. And some of you won't like this whole horse racing thing, and I get it. It's you know times are a little bit different now, but it's it's what I grew up in. So, um, I and I still love the sport of horse racing. I think it's I think it's a wonderful sport. But anyways, in the winter time, they would they would break these colts and they would you know train them and everything. And and you know, they're a little they're a little wily and they're you know they're they're a bit raucous, uh, and and they're a bit dangerous. And so um, in the winter of 1981, um, uh, you know, we had a barn full of horses as, um, as we usually did. And we had a little round pin out in the, uh, out in the yard. And then we had this big field, uh, right by the house. And, uh, and so you would start, like you would start in the barn, um, kind of getting halters and saddles on them and give them a few days getting used to that. And then you'd go in the round pin and you would ride them. The round pin had real deep sand, thick sand, so you were safe. Um, and then you would, you know, after a couple of days of that, now you would go out into the fields. It's a little more open. You could do more stuff. And, um, and that's when the horses would really start kind of, you know, getting a chance to gallop and, and stretch out a little bit with a rider and get used to the reins and get used to, you know, somebody telling them where to go. And there was usually about three or four there was like two or three guys working with my dad. So they'd go out three or four horses at a time and gallop around this thing and, and, um, start breaking these horses, which, you know, after you do that in the winter, then you can take them onto the races, onto the racetracks the next spring and start racing them, which was, that was the whole process. Um, then, you know, you'd figure out who was going to be, who was going to be, you know, good and who was going to be not so good. And, you know, who was going to end up going to, you know, rodeos or roping, you know, if horses didn't do it on the track, they went somewhere else and they found other uses for them. And so that's what happened, um, um, after the horses were broke. So, uh, the, the winter of, of, um, 1981 was a very interesting one that, uh, really redirected the trajectory of GHL and, and the entire Hunt family, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, oh, Anyways, I, we're going to have to save that one to the next time because it looks like we're, uh, we're just about out of time for episode one. Uh, so I was just getting to the good part. Sorry. Um, but uh, 
Anyway, so when we come back in episode two, um, I'll tell you what happened in the winter of 1981 and how that kind of shifted the the trajectory of everything. Um, but in the meantime, I just I, I'm so glad that you're with us. I, I hope that you guys are. Uh, see, I got to stop saying you guys. I hope that everyone uh, is is enjoying this little bit of history. It's you know I'll catch up to to contemporary times before too long, but uh, I think it's helpful to get a little bit of background. Um, but in the meantime, I'd love for you to check out my, um, my podcast, the Juhu Roadshow, uh, which is on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a subscription based website and it's, uh, it's five bucks a month and you get every podcast that we do, um, past, present and future for five bucks a month. And I worked it out. I think it's like 86 cents a podcast if you want to listen. And we've just got some fantastic artists, um, and musicians and comedians and athletes and just, you know, normal fascinating people because uh, I just love sitting down and visiting with people about you know where they are where they came from what they're about um, and sharing sharing their stories so um, if you get a chance please uh, come check it out it's patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com forward slash juhu it's the juhu roadshow um, and we'd love for you to come subscribe and, and listen to the, the interviews and the shows that we do. Uh, in the meantime, this is the Juhu Roadshow podcast on ramp with yours truly, Justin Hunt. And, uh, yeah, so I'm excited to come back for episode two and we'll, we'll tell you what happened in the, uh, in the winter of 1981 in Boone, Colorado. So, um, until then you guys have an awesome day. Mm-hmm.